Welcome to the podcast of Grace Crossing Church, where life and faith intersect. admit to you that uh, there is a childlikeness to Christmas for me. I mean, ask my wife. I, I get almost giddy at Christmas time. I love nearly everything about it. I love the Christmas music. I love the, um, the animated Christmas specials. I love the smell of baked goods in the home. Um, I love giving the gifts. There's just something about Christmas that has always brought me back to wanting to kind of relive a childhood that in many ways I didn't feel that I got. So I don't know if any of you are like me, but at the end of Christmas week, and once it's kind of all coming to and winding down, I start to get a little emotionally sad. I I don't really want it to end. I wish it could continue. So we were actually, uh, my wife and I took our four grandkids Um, a couple of weeks ago to Walmart to actually shop and pick out their Christmas gifts, and we ran into a lady that was somewhat angry. Now, I meet a lot of angry people at Walmart. There's just something about Walmart and crowds and wandering people and narrow aisles and shopping carts that just kind of get you ramped up, you know? But we were just loving it. We were having so much fun with our grandkids. We were letting them pick out gifts. Then we were going to a scanner to check the prices out. And they were just into the mood with us. And we ran into a lady near the end of our shopping that was just a tinge bit frustrated. She looked at us. She looked at our four busy grandkids. And then she looked back at us and said with almost disgust, I can't wait till Christmas is over. And I thought, how sad. Now, I don't mean this at all to be cliche this morning. But if you are in this auditorium and you are a follower of Jesus Christ, Christmas is never over. The moment that you receive Jesus Christ into your life, in other words, the moment that you Repent of your sins, acknowledge your need of forgiveness, place your trust in him, something happens inside of you. You are born again. There is a new birth that takes place in your life. And the Bible says at that point, you are transformed and transitioned from darkness into light and from death into life. And from that moment forward, there is nothing that remains the same in your life. Everything changes. Everything changes. It's different. I think back on Christmas for me, two in particular that stand out as a striking contrast of what life is like pre-Christ and what life is like once you have this new birth experience and all of a sudden Christmas never ends. It was the Christmas of 1980. I know some of you can't even imagine what that was like 
but I was alive. And in the Christmas of 1980, I was a 15-year-old kid who was trying to find his meaning and purpose in life, and I was messed up in so many ways. And I'll never forget the Christmas of 1980 because I don't really remember much of it except about midday on Christmas Day and beyond, and I was terribly sick for Christmas Day. Because the night before on Christmas Eve, I was at my boss's house. I was working as a custodian, a junior custodian in our school. And I was at my boss's house for a Christmas party where he had all the friends and employees and others over. And I happened to be a part of that. Got picked up, got taken over to the party. And that night I drank 10 glasses of Bacardi 151 and Coke. Now fortunately, I couldn't drive didn't have my license. So somehow, I don't remember how I got back, but somebody drove me to my home. And I somehow stumbled up to my bedroom and into a bed where my brother, who was four years my elder, was also sleeping. I don't remember any of it. Because the next thing that I remember after going to that party was waking up in a cold shower, fully dressed, with the water running on me. Apparently in the middle of the night, my brother, four years older than me, heard a gurgling sound. It startled him. He got out of bed. And he found me, his younger brother, gurgling and choking on my own vomit. He picked me up. He carried me to the shower, into the bathtub, turned on the shower, and he went back to bed. I got out of those wet clothes, deathly sick, stumbled my way back to the bed, got up midday, Christmas presents were open, Christmas meal was already devoured, nobody said a word to me, nobody needed to. Fast forward to the spring of that next year in 1981 when I went to a small church and I found Christ as my Savior. And that next Christmas on Christmas Eve, rather than being at a party, I was at a service celebrating the new birth of Jesus Christ who had come into my life and transformed my life. Now tomorrow night, we're going to have an event here, a Christmas Eve service. And I want to encourage you, whatever you're doing, I want to encourage you to come and experience with us the movements of Christmas. And the movements of how Jesus Christ came to this earth to bring his light into darkness. It's going to be a special gathering tomorrow night at 6.30, so whatever it is you have planned for Christmas Eve, I would urge you, if you can carve out about an hour and you can be here with us, uh, I believe God will, will minister to you in a significant way. Now, in this series, Tis the Season, we are talking about how we put the holy back in the holidays. The word holy, as we've talked about from Scripture, comes from a word that means to separate and to set apart something as special or sacred to God. The reality is, in the beginning, holidays were holy days. They were days set apart to honor God. But somewhere our culture has stripped the sacred out of the holidays. 
And we're left with a shell of what the original intent and meaning was. Well, in this series, we're talking about how we can intentionally move forward with putting the holy back in the holidays. This morning, we want to add another message to this collection of messages. And this morning's talk actually comes to us by way of one single verse that appears in the Christmas narrative. It's actually a verse that when you first see it, it feels as though it is almost displaced. It's, it doesn't really belong in the storyline. It just pops up, and then as quickly as it pops up, it disappears, and it goes back into the story that was being told. The verse, this single verse actually comes to us in the moment of when the angelic beings came and presented themselves to a group of shepherds who were out in a field. These shepherds were tending to their flocks and all of a sudden an angel of the Lord appears and the Bible says they're surrounded by this heavenly host, this army of angelic presences that are actually singing praises to God. We read about it in Luke chapter 2, verses 15 through 18 and verse 20. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. Verse number 20. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had seen and heard, which were just as they had been told. Now, the single verse that appears in this narrative, all about the shepherds, is a verse that feels out of place. It's just 12 words. But this morning, those words are packed with a whole lot that I want you to see today. I don't want you to miss the simplicity and the significance of this verse and what it means to us about putting the holy back in the holidays. It comes through us through the narrative in the eyes of Mary, where it says this in verse number 19. Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. So think about it. While the shepherds are giddy with enthusiasm and excitement about what they had just experienced, Mary does just two things. Mary treasures. Mary ponders. Now, I will confess to you this morning that my natural inclination is a lot more like the shepherds than it is like Mary at Christmas. 
Like the shepherds, I want everybody to know what I know. If I have an experience that actually I think is noteworthy, I want to make sure that I share that with as many people as I possibly can. I'm a lot like the shepherds. I mean, it's not every day that an angel comes to pay you a visit, right? It's not every day that you get this kind of experience that just transforms your life. And it wasn't just one angel. Because after that angel made the announcement, that angel's filled and surrounded with a company of angels that are celebrating. Here, here are these shepherds. Think about this. Here are these shepherds in awe of these angels. While these angels are in awe at a child that's being born. Now, if I were like the shepherds and it were in this day, I think I would have grabbed my smartphone and I would have snapped a couple selfies with those angels, right? And then I'd want to make sure that I post that on every social media outlet that I possibly can. Everybody needs to know. I'd put it on Facebook. I'd tweet it out on Twitter. I would make sure and put some pictures on Instagram I would make sure that every one of them had some hashtags. Hashtag in awe. Hashtag seeing is believing. Hashtag too good to be true. That's what the angels are feeling. They're they're just overwhelmed with exhilaration and excitement. But Mary, she's just doing two things. Mary's treasuring, Mary's pondering. Now, I will tell you that far too many of my Christmases have been lived out a lot like the shepherds. Consumed with all the activity, the busyness, the hustle, bustle, making sure that everything was just right, making sure that everybody was happy, but taking very little time to sit in the moment of what was happening. Mary sits here on Christmas morning, cradling in her arms the Son of God. Think about it. There's a lot to take in. Here's the big idea this morning. To put the holy back in the holidays, treasure, and ponder. You aren't going to hear this anywhere else in the world outside of being in God's presence because this has all gotten lost in the trappings of the holidays. Mary treasured the wonder of Christmas. It's an interesting word in the Greek. It appears only three times in all of the entire New Testament. It's a word that means to preserve, to keep safe, or to keep hidden deeply. To make sure that it is off limits from getting stolen. Mary understood the pricelessness, and she is cherishing the pricelessness of this moment. Something profound has happened to her, in her. You see, I think you'll agree that 
Nobody had a more intimate relationship with Jesus than Mary did. It's safe to say that nobody knew Mary or knew Jesus like Mary did. She actually is told that she is going to be the maternal surrogate for the Son of God. She then conceives by the Holy Spirit, and she actually carries this child to full term, 270 days. She experiences that child's development within her. She is solely responsible to provide 100% of the biological nutrients necessary to move that single cell into an infant. Mary experiences the movement within her. Every jarring of the arm, every push of the legs, she feels it. And then according to Galatians 4, 4 at the right time, Mary delivers the Son of God to us. Now I suspect Mary's treasuring all sorts of things. As she's sitting there cradling the Son of God in her arms. That's the first scene I want you to see this morning. She certainly is hearing the angels talk about their angelic visitation. But I suspect she's thinking back to her own angelic visitor, who had just nine months earlier shown up to her. We read about it in Luke chapter 1, verses 30 through 33. The angel Gabriel comes and says, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive. You will give birth to a son. You will call him Jesus. He will be great. He will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. Can you imagine those words that she carried for nine months? Verses 34 and 35, the angel goes on. Mary says, how will this be since I'm a virgin? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. In this moment, the entire world comes to a halting, screeching stop. While all of the noise is happening around her with the angels and all the excitement of the birth, Mary is cradling the promised delivered son in her arms. And in this moment, everything around her just begins to disappear. She sits as though she were the only person on the earth, cradling in her arms God's son. Mary is metabolizing the miraculous in that moment. Mary is settled into the stillness and the silence for her. She's treasuring. 
She didn't only treasure the, the wonder of Christmas. She, she pondered the purpose of Christmas. The word purpose used in this text means to contemplate, to think deeply about. So let me ask you, when was the last time you pondered something? I mean really, really pondered something. You took time to think deeply about its impact on your life. You just let it absorb and become part of you. So just a few weeks ago, I took some time at the beginning of Advent. I did this last year as well, but I took some time just to be alone in God's presence to ponder the purpose of Christmas for me. Sometimes when I think back to my pre-Christ days, I scratch my head. Because I have to wonder what my life would have been like had Jesus Christ not been born into my heart. I don't know exactly what my life would have, would have been like, but I can promise you what it would not have been like. It, was very, it would be very unlikely that I would be married today to the same woman happily for nearly 35 years. It's very unlikely I'd have five, three children, five grandchildren who are the delight of my heart and the delight of my life. It is very, very, very improbable that I'd be standing on this stage this morning pastoring this wonderful church. I can tell you that that's not the way my life would have been like. And when I sat there, I couldn't help but ponder what the, the light looked like coming into the darkness of my heart. Matthew chapter 1 actually tells us how profound this is. Matthew chapter 1, verse 21, she will give birth to a son, and you are to give his name, him the name Jesus, because, now notice this, he will save his people from their sins. My life and your life has been transformed because of Christ. Because we were his creation, his people, but now we are his children, his sons and his daughters. When I think of the purpose of Christmas, it becomes so clear to me that what Mary was thinking about as she's sitting there cradling the Son of God in her arms, she is realizing this child is not going to just be everyone else's Savior. This child is my Savior. Just wrap your head around that. What Mary cradled in her arms, we today cradled in our hearts. We become the manger for the presence of Jesus. That's scene one I want you to see this morning. But there are two more scenes that I want to fast forward to quickly today. The second scene I want you to see happens just eight days later. We drop in on this scene... As Joseph and Mary are bringing their newborn son to church for the very first time. They're arriving at the temple. And as they come in, 
Something spectacular happens. Luke chapter 2, beginning at verse 25. Now, there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel. The Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. So he perhaps was not planning to go on this particular day, but he shows up. When the parents brought in the child, Jesus, to do for him what was the custom that the law required, which was dedication, commitment, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God. So so here's the picture. Mary and Joseph show up at the doors. They walk in. Here's this guy named Simeon, who the Bible says is full of, of God's Spirit. God's Spirit is on him. God's Spirit is giving him revelation. God's Spirit is moving him where he wants him to go. Listen, this guy was filled with God's Spirit. And here's what he says when he holds the child. Verses 34 and 35. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, this child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel, to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. Not exactly the kind of blessing I don't think Mary had in mind. Among other things, here's what Simeon, moved by God's spirit, actually says. By the way, what Simeon is doing here is he is operating in one of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, the gift of prophecy. He actually is seeing the future as though it is happening today in real time, in the present. And here's what he's seeing. He's seeing that Jesus, among other things, is going to disturb the status quo. He's going to create all sorts of conflict, There's going to be political upheaval in Israel. His name actually is going to not be spoken well of. He's going to get a bad reputation, and so is his family going to get a bad reputation. He's going to ruin religion, as people know it. And he's going to see the darkness of the human heart and be able to point it out when other people are oblivious to it. It's going to be remarkable. Now listen. Let me remind you, this is eight days after Jesus is born, at his commitment, his dedication. Can you imagine if this was what was spoken over your child, parents, at at your child's dedication? You may never go back to church again, right? But here's the most profound thing that Simeon says to Mary. It's the last statement. He says, Mary, this child that you're holding is going to pierce your own soul as well. Now, if you're a parent or you're a grandparent here, you know that there are times that children make decisions that pierce your soul. They create incredible eternal internal conflict inside of you. And you are left to have to deal with that internal conflict in a way that honors God. Mary is hearing something eight days after Jesus is born that is actually giving her clarity on the purpose 
of Christmas, the purpose for why Jesus came. And she, I believe, is pondering it in this moment. You see, what Simeon is saying is this. Jesus is going to come. He's going to enter the pain of the world. He's going to experience the pain of the world so that he can help us endure the pain of the world. That's really the message of Christmas. He came and entered the pain of the world, experienced the pain of the world, so that he could help us endure the pain of the world. Which brings us to the final scene I want you to see. This scene, we're going to fast forward all the way, 33 years, to the end of Jesus' life. Because the ultimate purpose that Mary is pondering, the ultimate wonder that she's treasuring in her heart, actually is revealed and is fulfilled at the end of Jesus' life. There's no doubt that Jesus and Mary had stayed connected through his young adult years and even through his ministry years. There's plenty of stories where Mary appears, but by the end of his life, Mary fades into the backdrop. But make no mistake about it, her presence is felt, even at the end of his life. Here's what John's gospel tells us in this third scene that I want you to see this morning, the crucifixion scene, the cross. When Jesus is hanging on the cross, here's what John's gospel records. Near the cross of Jesus stood his mother, his mother's sister Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. Pause here. Following the reference of Joseph, when Jesus was 12 years old, early in Luke's gospel, Joseph is never again mentioned in the New Testament. It is likely that as a young adult, when Jesus was just a young adult, Joseph died. He's no longer part of the equation. But Mary is. And Mary is there, the Bible says, when Jesus is gasping for his final breath. Look at what Jesus says. When Jesus saw his mother there and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to her, woman, here is your son. Now, that word woman in the Aramaic language that Jesus would have spoken is not a disrespectful word. It was a word that was used of honor and respect. We wouldn't use it that way today, calling someone woman, but that's the way Jesus used it. It was, a, it was an honored word. But here's what I find so striking. Jesus, when he's gasping for his final breath, sees his mother there, and actually points out to her that he is aware of her presence. He's mindful of the relationship that they have enjoyed. He cares so much about his mother that it's interesting. He actually says to the youngest disciple he had, John, 
He said, listen, here, Mary, is your son. He didn't say, here, John, is your mother. He said, Mary, here's your son. I think Jesus knew something. He knew that he was going to be reunited with his biological earthly father, and he was also going to be reunited with his heavenly father in that moment, but Mary likely was left with no one to see after her. He knew that she still had love in her heart that needed to be expressed. He remembered all of the moments they spent together, and Mary also remembered. She pondered and she treasured. There's a powerful scene that I want to close with this morning that actually is found in Mel Gibson's movie, The Passion. It's a scene that only occupies about 75 seconds of the movie. It's that short. But it powerfully reveals, I think, what Mary must have been pondering and must have been treasuring in the moment as she watches her son being paraded through the streets of Jerusalem on his way to go outside the city gates to a place called Golgotha where he's about to give his life for us. Take a look at the video. this morning as our hospitality team prepares um, the communion elements. Mary treasured the wonder of Christmas. God who became flesh and lived here. She held flesh in her arms. She cradled the Son of God. But Mary also 
pondered the purpose. His name will be called Jesus because he's going to save every person who puts their trust in him from their sins. Listen, in the noise of this wonderful season, can I encourage you to do something this week? In the noise of this wonderful season, can I encourage you to take time to treasure and ponder? Take time to sit in the quietness of what God did for you. Ponder it for you. Thanks for listening. To learn more about Grace Crossing Church, including service times and directions, check us out on the web at www.gracecrossingchurch.net. We hope to see you at one of our upcoming weekend worship gatherings. Have a great day.